Merry Christmas and welcome to a holiday special issue of Excalibros. Yay! Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. I feel like I have energy now, Dan. Suddenly, we've got some interesting books to read. I'm kind of into it now. <laughs> now now you have energy. Where was it before? Now, now that oh. we're reading all these, we're done with the classics and we're ready for that, that new jazz. I'm, I'm all excited. As you should be. As you should be. That's how, that's how this goes. So, we, so we, uh, we've been promising well, this for quite a while, but uh, today we're covering the new Excalibur and the new New Mutants, um, and and this is this is gonna be fun. Yes, one 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 can hope. One can hope. Well, Dan, uh, you'll be covering Excalibur. I'll be covering New Mutants. Do you want to like switch off back and forth, or you want to like just like. Bum rush Excalibur, and then I'll take on the mutants. Well, um, bum rush seems like an apt uh, turn of phrase for me, so um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, we'll, 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 I'll, I will do the two verses of um, Excalibur in a row, because although things happen, not a lot does. Um, so that is um, true. So the creatives aren't don't change, so it might as well just go through it easily. Um, Dawn of X's Excalibur, which has a great font, by the way. I really adore the Excalibur font, not mm-hmm. as much as the one, but I do adore it. Um, we have Teeny Howard as the writer, Marcus Toe as our artist, Eric Arseniega as our color artist, uh, VCs Corey Petit as the letterer, Tom Mueller as design, and our front covers are Madmud Azwa and Matthew Wilson. And the front covers of both of them, I enjoy. The issue number two is our team um, ready to punch some webbed hands away from them. Uh, I think everyone looks great. I generally love the proportion of Apocalypse, where he's mm-hmm. a giant daddy compared to everyone else. Um, <laughs> and the... Yes! Daddy, and we have daddy Jubilee... Apocalypse, yeah. And we have uh, Rogue looking all ready to go at the front and uh, Jubilee sparking up. That sounds like she's about to have a cigarette, but she's not. Uh, we have the newly christened Captain Britain with her sword and psychic sword and shield, and Gambit is leaping from something from behind, I assume a trampoline, just so that you can see him. And in the background background is a lighthouse firing a beam of energy off, which I assume is just a beam of light. Right. Um, so we start in the past with Expocalypse explaining that um, basically he... Would liked would have liked to help mutants in the past, but he didn't help them, so he allowed them to just die. That's essentially what is this page, right? And now he's on board, uh, but now he has a new mission with a new team, and that team is uh, being sailed to the uh, to England by none other than Captain Catherine Pride um, or Kate Pride, depending on how you want to say. Um, is it odd still... to me? Like I, I talked about this with Jason, but these like. The first page, these two twins are gonna like sail away, and they get like twenty feet out, and suddenly like they, they the, the shipwrecks, and they they like drown in like three hundred feet of water. Like they could have just like swam back within like thirty seconds, but like they're they're just out. They're they're, they're goners. Like as soon as their feet hit the water, they were out. I feel like Apocalypse lost them too. <laughs> so we have so we have this really wonderful. I actually really like this panel of um, the team sort of on the boat. Um, Rogue is still a flower lady. Um, 
for all intents and purposes. Sure. And they arrive... No, no, they don't arrive. They're just talking for a while. And then random um, creatures from Selkies, I believe they're called, from the ocean uh, jump on board and try to kill our mutants, where everyone fights back. And Captain Britain's like, Kate, you go. We'll just basically go stand on the island, because for reasons... Because the ship would probably get destroyed if you stayed. Uh-huh. And they don't like to come on the island. So she basically swims to shore and then uses a telekinesis to lift the rest of the team, willing or not, onto the shore with them. Um, they sort of move Rogue around to a sacred place where only Betsy can see the druids that are there. And uh-huh. then Rogue's spawns some vines and turns into a lighthouse or creates a lighthouse yes she is the light of the lighthouse uh then we have this um from the grimoire of apocalypse which i really want to know how they pronounce his current name so that i can't i don't have to offend him (laughs) right yeah totally Um, so we have this like footnote about the lighthouse um and constant talk about magic everyone's a bit upset apocalypse turns up with a little Shogo um, and Jimmy's like why are you here with my baby? Which is a fair response to be honest. Uh, yeah. He is, he is um, but it's just a dream and Salak has a dream of a really beautiful looking uh, fire, firewolf fox thing which then leads her to Apocalypse's statue where it has he will use us we can use him fruit that she eats uh-huh. And then it, the Firefox is all happy and disappears. She wakes up from said dream because Shogo is chewing on her hair. Because uh, Shogo has a thing for purple, which I think is adorable. I do too. Uh, they all sort of, all the druids are outside. Kevin Burton jumps down with the rest of the team. Uh, they attack. There's a big attack. Uh, Apocalypse is talking about heresy and such forth. Apocalypse turns up, blasts a hole. And he's like, you guys should probably go into the other world. I'll use this giant hammer and just stay here and protect Rogue. They teleport to other world. Everyone gets new new digs. And Shogo is a dragon. The end of issue one. Yeah. Um, right. So um, I don't... I was quite up with issue one of this series. I was like, yeah, I'm, I can dig it if it has the potential. All right. Um, I think... This one hits the ground running still, but not in the. But instead of like sprinting, it kind of hits the ground running, peters out, coughs a bit, sits down, stands back up, jogs, maybe starts sprinting again. Um, it kind of it fails to sort of capture any momentum or intrigue yeah, that the first yeah. one had. Um, looking through it again, uh, I think I've become converted to your way of thinking and the backgrounds that are just different shades of colour don't really add much to any of the art. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, Toe Toe's character work, really nice in places. I enjoy I enjoy is that he actually allows his characters to act. I enjoyed the firewolf thing, looked really cool cool. Um I love the way he draws Apocalypse and Basically, I like the way the, the team's drawn. They all are unique and different and 
have a different presence. But I think the color work is tonally too dark, but also very colorful at the same time. I know it's set in, a lot of it's set at night. There's maybe too many purples mixed in with the reds. Yeah. Um, I, just, I don't think it the color work really does anything apart from the pages where it's the dream where it's Betsy's dream I don't think the color work really handles itself or gives much to the art itself um, the back and forth when it's about the character back and forth uh, Howard is much stronger the narrative itself isn't um, exactly uh, grasping at this point so yeah, that's of... that's how I felt about issue one as well. Like issue three, to be honest, is like when the characters are together having like personal moments, she she shines. But this this plot, not only do I feel like it's sort of just like sitting in the water, like it's not swimming to the 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 other shore. It's just sort of like like doggy paddling in the middle, just like hanging out with with no momentum. It's just. Uh, I, I can't. I have trouble like getting excited about this book, Dan, and it's 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 sad because we we like Excalibur. We were excited for the team, and the first you know the covers we were like, oh man, this is going to be great. And then the book came out, and I'm like, uh, I don't I don't know. You're not making me feel anything here. I want to. I feel Please. like I feel like I can only say this so many times, but there are moments of potential there that could really sure. make the book shine. I can only say that so many times until Howard, because it's not, I will not lay, like, for, for the, the fault of book does not lay on the artist, the artistic team. Um, That's yeah, it has, its issues. it has its issues, and, but it, it tells a comprehensive story visually, and it manages to do um, what it needs to do, and present Howard's script in a way that is accessible. But I feel like, the main problem is that they've picked magic, mm-hmm. but not they're not. They're not it's like are they're they not even committed? like utilizing magic in this issue at all, really. Yeah, then it's not like they're fully committed to it. It's like it's like the maiden trope. Like Rogue has become a maiden trope, where you probably right. have to kiss it to make it work. You have like Jubilee and Gambit are so t- tangential to that to the book at the moment that even though they're in it and have really good moments. They don't. They don't feel like they serve a purpose in a magical setting. Um, Apocalypse. I love Apocalypse. Will always be the MVP of this book. I feel um, until until it, until the other characters pop up because Betsy's the main character, but she's not there, not present enough. Mm. To, the, the story's not moving to Herbie. It's sort of just moving. Yeah, and that and that's that maybe the biggest problem. Is that it doesn't move like the characters aren't moving the needle forward. Uh, the, the book just decides that this is happening. Yes, yeah, no, totally. It feels like they're just they're just. I mean, is Betsy the main character? Because in issue one, she felt like a main character. Issue two was just like stuff happening, and she's maybe reacting, but they're just like, you know, there are hangout issues that are only about the hangout that really focus on the characters. This is just like a hang, a, like a hanging plot issue where the plot's just hanging there, and the characters make make a comment, but nothing really, nothing really happens. Like you mentioned at the start, it's like I push, like move move forward a little bit, buddy. Let's let's do something. I feel like these characters would work really well in any like if they were going on missions. Yeah. And, and doing stuff, but anyway, talking about missions, 
<clears throat> we have the same creative teams for issue three. And we have on the front cover um, Apocalypse holding Richter as they both fire energy into the ground, which is Krakoan, I imagine. Uh-huh. Um, it's an okay cover. I, it's weird to see Apocalypse sort of like baby hold a person in general. It's kind of hilarious. But um, I, I can deal with it. It's fine. It. Yeah. So we we start with um, the more interesting aspect of the book is that uh, Richter has long since um, been aware that Kukoro exists and that he's been invited many times, but once he touches the earth, his power just overloads the place, causing the earthquakes and such forth. So he's scared to even step outside. Um, he he watches everyone as they go into Kukoro and portals, but yet again he can't do anything. He just gets upset and the, the world shakes. He literally lays in earth. Um, a box of earth to sort of ease his pain. I don't know about you, uh, but it feels like these issues are these these pages have a different art style to them than everything else. Yes, they really do. Um, I couldn't like it isn't a different um, artist, um, but it it feels like there is a different color work, a different line artist completely. Yeah. But anyway, a good old Richter is just not having any of it. Um, and then we have like a page of uh, a little forum I thought uh, that was well done the forum page yeah I like it Like, um, I thought it was quite nice that he's basically like is it Krakoa's fault that this is happening right <laughs> uh, and such forth and then we move back to uh, Morgana the Fae who is about as bland as you can expect from a one note sorceress villain who is just talking to the other witch woman from a cover and they're just having a little chat and they hate the witch breeds and then there's a giant then shogo flies past the window sorry i said a giant dragon flow uh shogo and i really like this sequence where betsy's talking to shogo telepathically and same and also discussing that that kids have a really vivid imagination so in a magical world their imagination will manifest itself in a certain way and I, I like the concern that uh, Jubilee... I also like Jubilee's costume here and Gambit's. Yeah. Um, the concern Jubilee has for Shogo and even like the concern Gambit has. Though I do think Gambit's a bit one note in all of these issues. Like he's constantly like, what, what about Rogue? And I'm like, I'm sure you're not that selfish. <laughs> <laughs> like, so Shogo offers to give them a lift and some of the really nice little animations of like jubilee holding shogo as a so cartoon cute. dragon yeah and I, I kind of like this is like an homage to older excalibur with the, with the dragon being yeah. present We've, yes it is quite cute and quite nice and the fact that it's sort of like a uh when um lockheed was giant right well, there was a giant lockheed exactly and in the castle we have uh s&m um cap brian just in the dungeon chained away and um they they basically have arguing whether shogo should help them in the fight and so they decide not to let shogo help them and jump in on the fight and try and get brian that way and i quite like this sort of it's not too over the top and everyone's powers are colored 
too similar. Yeah. Um, but I do like like uh, Gambit charging up people's shields and such off. And they are getting a bit overwhelmed. And I do think Jubilee's power should be popping a hell of a lot more than it does. Um, uh, uh. And then Shogo turns up and fires some dragon fire to to help. And then we have this we have Evil Brian fight his sister. And the new Captain Britain or the pretender as uh, Brian would like you to believe. Nearly gets through, but Shogo handily dragon fires. Um, in some really nice dragon... Actually, these pages with Shogo breathing fire are actually really nice. Yeah, I quite like them. Um, I like the fire is kind of like water sweeping across the land. Oh, nice, yeah. And he um, he saves them. They fly off. And Mullen the Fae taunts her. And then we have this really interesting piece uh, from the MI-13 and the intelligence partners where it's... Um, surveillance of Otherworld assets and it's the old team of Excalibur the uh, Otherworld assets which I thought was a nice um, right what then Apocalypse is trying his damned hardest to figure out why the stones aren't working so he can't get into Otherworld so he decides to go find a person who's a master of stones and he just walks through New York like you do I love it <laughs> just stopping through like <laughs> with the, like the arrogance but also like the style and like the purpose yeah. of it is really nice and I think, yeah, and I think the the panels here really work, and the the people like terrified of him make make it all the better. And he meets up with Richter and asks him to come home, and basically carries him back uh, to to. And he's like, "Oh, is this Krakoa?" And he's like, "No, it's not. It's Cornwall." But every piece is Krakoa if Krakoa is here. And um, then all of a sudden, um, good old. Pete Wisdom turns up, which I haven't seen in an age, and he's looking for Brian and everyone else. Right. Um, with his little MI-13, and he's got his little hot, call, hot claws out and everything. <laughs> so it's nice It's nice to see a um, ex-member of Excalibur turn up again. Yeah. Um, I was kind of, when he showed up, I'm like, all right, all right, let's, let's, let's do this. Like, let's, let's, uh, it is a little bit of, of, like, nostalgia, but also, like, this is Excalibur. And this is, like, let's bring the weird back in. Not just magical, but we'll get the weird back in here. And I felt like this issue maybe was just all the fighting, but had, like, a, a propulsion to it. Like, I, it had me more engaged than the previous issue. This issue is a hell of a lot better. Just staged than the previous two issues. Mm -hmm. I think uh, it's not amazing, but it definitely made me go, oh, right, okay. So now, because much like I just complained, they're not on a mission. But now they're on a mission. Um, yeah, and everyone has a has has a purpose. Apocalypse. There was a reason to get Richter, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to like Jubilee just turns up and Rogan Gambit just turns up. There was a reason to get Richter, and now that we have um, Richter on the team, Apocalypse. That story between Apocalypse and Richter, and now Pete Wisdom, is moving forward. And then in other world, we have our free free heroes and Shogo having an actual quest. Um, and it, like, there is color work problems. I do think it's a mistake to make everyone. It's very hard because Betsy's has always been sort of lavender, purpley colors, right. and Gambit's is always changes when it does change, but there's always been like a purple esque hue to it. Right. Uh, I, I think Jubilee I like... though has had multiple like. Yes. She's not relying on purple coloring, like in her costume, sure, but not in her like her powers. 
No, I feel like there should have been more blues and yellows and and greens like, and stuff. More, yeah, more fireworky. Yeah, exactly. Than, uh, and like, I like it, but I think when all three of them were flinging out purpley lavender colors, it was kind of visually bland there. Mm. That's why Shogo's green fire was uh, a welcome sure. change of pace. Sure. I think the the again, I think the character work artistically it is it, still really on point i don't think there's many it's a bit ropey in the victor pages but i don't know if that's just inking and like the darkness of those pages mm-hmm. but i do think um it still does well and he draws a lot more backgrounds this issue than he yes. has before yes, he does, so, yeah. so i feel like um they the book looks better as well as plays better for sure like, issue two yeah. had me going, I don't know if I need to read this book. And issue three, I'm like, okay, I wouldn't say this is a must-read, but I'm, I'm, you're starting to hook me a little bit. It has, like, fun, playful moments with, like, the psychic images mm-hmm. and talking to Shogo. So, oh, those, yeah, those, those images are so cute and adorable, and I love them. Exactly. Yeah, so but, Dan, we didn't we didn't rate the second book, uh, second issue either. So, but we should rate these because we, we we rate the new stuff. We haven't had new stuff to rate in a while, but we rate the new stuff. So, what do you want to rate issue two? Uh, uh, we our scale is one to five. I feel like a two. It's like a two out of five. Mm. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I'm the same. Two two out of five. It's a little bit below average. Whereas I feel like this is, this could sound harsh, but this is a step forward, but not immense step forward. So sure. I'd say that's like a 3.5. Okay. <laughs> I'd, I'd give this not a three. Fun. Like I would say, I'm, uh, you know, it's average, maybe a little little above average. The the By comparison to two, it, it really stands out. Uh, maybe if I was reading it in comparison to New Mutants, I wouldn't feel as as nice about it. But but, but reading these in... in, in uh, Consecutively, I was like, "Okay, this is this is as you mentioned, it's a, it's a step forward." I was engaged. Hi. All right. Well, well, in in the in the full breadth of all the Donna X books, I think we've this one has been the most, and this is going to sound harsh, disappointing to us. And not that it's the worst book, but we had such high hopes, and you know, we're we're Excalibur yeah, fans. We've I think we thought maybe this would be top tierish. Yeah, but it's it's fan. It's weirdly family. The middle book out of the six. Yes, like there are things below it which are way worse. <laughs> things above it that are better. But this feels like it just sits on that line of just the average book that's just fine. Um, yeah, which is a bit disappointing. But hopefully it'll turn the tables. I hope so. And and yeah, the things below it are way below it, but also the things yeah. above it are kind of way above it. So it is it's like, it's not like it's close to being in the top tier, but it's also not even not close to being bottom tier either. It's like all right, keep working at it. You'll you'll, you'll get there. Kind of a feel. Hi. All right. Well, let's move on to what I consider to be, uh, at least until Brisson came on and just screwed everything up, uh, to be the best. Uh, <laughs> Donna X book, and that is New Mutants. Uh, so, starting with uh, issue number one, right? Issue number one of New Mutants. And uh, our uh, creatives, we have 
Jonathan Hickman is the writer. Rod Reyes is the artist. Letter of VCs Travis Lanham. Design, Tom Muller. Cover is Rod Reyes. And uh, I got to say, this cover is just delicious. Uh, we've got almost like uh, an old movie poster with, with all the characters coming out at you. And it's kind of classic feel, but Rod Reyes brings his style to it. And flair and the coloring is so wonderful. And each character has their own like unique personality. And it's got that great New Mutants, like, like I don't know, 80s kind of like font, like digital font thing happening. I, I just think it's it's delicious. It is stunning. I think when we talked about it on Jason's podcast, um, I used it to distinguish the difference between a good team pose and a bad team pose on a front cover. Right. It's this just... is like a class stuff. Um... Totally. <laughs> so we start off. Uh, in Krakoa, and we have uh, Wolfsbane being reborn uh, because someone did something terrible to her in, in Uncanny. And uh, so she gets she gets to come back, and uh, her friend Danny comes to talk to her and says, do you need to talk? And Wolfsbane's like, no, I think I'm good. We don't need to discuss any of that dumb stuff that happened before. And right right there, I was like, okay, this book has me. <laughs> like, Hickman's like, you know all that <laughs> other stuff? You know, forget all that. We don't need to, like, I'm not going to... Pretend like it didn't happen, but we don't need to talk about it. And um, I feel like it, that that helped to soothe my soul, Dan. I don't know about you. It did. It's, it's nice to see it just be je- the shit be jettisoned. Yes. <laughs> um, and then we get to see Mondo, and uh, this is kind of a Mondo I enjoy uh, compared to the other Mondo. Uh, so he's sort of communing with Krakoa, and. Uh, and, and Douglas shows up. He's like, why don't you try and like, really communicate? And then suddenly Mondo has been taken over by Krakoa. And there's a giant face on his belly. And Krakoa is speaking to Doug. And it's creepy and odd. And I love every minute of it here. Mm-hmm. Doug's so important, bless him. So. Yeah. I love Doug's uniform. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. He looks like young Luke Skywalker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does. Oh, nice. So then we see um, two other uh, new mutants uh, walking through. Uh, what like everyone's in like a uh, every little like younger mutant has their younger mutant class has their own like commune they're living in. So so we have uh, is it Mirage and Sunspot are walking through here, uh, and just we get to see the other like quote unquote new mutants that showed up like we have Burson's mutants who uh, oh, I'd rather not deal with and then we get to see Monet and Penance hanging around and then we see the Hellions and they're talking about stuff and it's fun and it's funny and it's it's like enjoyable like just great character work here uh, until uh, we, we show up at where the new mutants are staying and uh, they, they've persuaded someone to make coffee on the island and like Ilyana is obsessed with the coffee you know, there are moments where she's like super cute, and then she like turns the, the switch into like super ferocious, and that's something I really love about about her. <laughs> like she's obsessed over this coffee. I, I love all of this um, panel. I also um, shout out to Jono, uh, our Gen Xer, who is a permanent member of the team now. Same. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm hanging out with you guys, and they're cool. And Mondo's hanging out, and everyone's just like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be fine. And uh, Sunspot's like, you know, I miss Sam. We should go see him in space. And they just hitch a ride with the Star Jammers. And that's, uh, sure, let's just do it. I, I just, I, I can't express how, how much I have missed um, 
uh, Roberto written by Hickman. Like I really enjoy. I, I recently read um, a lot of the sort of that Avengers period where he was a member of the Avengers and he ran the U.S. Avengers, and he. I just forgot that how much people invested time and effort into Sunspot for him to be like as soon as that sort of period finished and um, this new period started, he was just thrown under a carpet mm-hmm. and then killed, literally right. killed. And so it was like, oh, he has so much potential. And then he's back with Hickman being like, he's the best thing ever. Yeah, and it's great. Mm-hmm. I love that he's like he's arrogant as a like a like a rich boy, but not in like a. Like he's a bad person, kind of like arrogant. He's like like the laughable but like kind-hearted rich kid who's like trying to help people out. It's a it's like a fine line to walk, but Hickman walks it really well. So they're in space, and uh, Mondo and and Dog are like, yeah, if we plant one of these seeds in like the garden in, in the Starjammer ship, then we can get here anytime. And then Chiode is like, hey, uh, you're screwing up my garden here. Uh, so they have a, kind of a, a moment, and they decide to put the seed into Mondo's belly, you know, because he can do that sort of stuff. And uh, it's like a fun, it's like great, like little little character moments with a little bit of humor. And you're like, okay, I, I can like buy into the team when they do this. Yeah. And then Ilyana's having a sword fight just because, and um, it's it's going well. I, I don't even remember the dude who she's fighting. I don't remember any of the... the <laughs> I have trouble with their names so much. Who's who's the guy with the sword with the ponytail? I don't know. I want to call him Razor of Razar or something. I feel like it's something as simple as that. It was made by Claremont. It'll be something like Razor. Yeah. So they're having a nice sword fight. And uh, they have a bet on who's going to win. Um, and there's like fun banter in the background. And then Ilyana gets punched in the face, and like she freaks out and like chops through the dude's sword and his robot arm and wins, and it's it's so delicious. Uh, <laughs> so then, because of it, uh, Sunspot wins some bourbon, and it's like, all right, this is fun. And then they arrive at a starship, uh, uh, at a space uh, port, and uh, Starjammer's like, oh, we got business to take care of, and and the mutants are like, yeah, we want to get out too. He's like, no, if they catch you, you'll be in trouble. But the mutants go anyway to steal something that uh, the Star Jammers are going to steal. And then they have a little fight. And uh, fortunately, the Shiar Empire gets to them and, and shoots them all down. The Star Jammers escape. Um, and uh, Jono tries to use his, his, his sonic fire to, to take people out. And it's a little bit of cover. We cut back to the Star Jammers. And they're like, uh, sorry, Sunspot, but uh, y'all suck. You got to get out of here. And I, I love this panel or this page where it's like, Chiot says, you people ruined my plants. And Razor says, the angry girl cut off my arm. Like, I like children. I do not. And, and, and you stole my whiskey, so you got to go. And it's it's a fun, <laughs> I love it. Like, they're harsh, but, like, not too harsh about it. I, my, I feel like I'm, I'm rambling here. Is there anything you want to bring up about this book? I could just, I could just like, gush over it all day. Keep going. I think it's just fun and playful and the fact that, it breaks the fourth wall. It's just hilarious. <laughs> so they leave Sunspot back with his team, and they get captured. And they're like, the end of the book, having legal trouble, hire this space lawyer who's like a space chameleon. And uh, it's it's wacky and weird and fun, and I love this issue. What what did you think, Dan? Um, as an introductory issue, it was just awesome. Um, it just it, it, it creates the world. It sort of 
sends them off onto a different mission. And I love that them being sent off into space has had repercussions for other books, namely Hickman's. But the other ones are like, where's Doug when we need him? Oh, he's in space. <laughs> and I do, I do think that it's really fun. And if anyone argues that Hickman doesn't know how to do characters and just does plots, this is the book that, like, hand down, like, dispels that myth that he's only about plot and not about character. Totally. And I think if you judge the rest, it pretty much stands as the best or one of the best Don of X books easily straight away. Like, it's it's totally different. The art is astonishing. The color work is beautiful. Yeah. Like, such a purpose and a design to it all. There are we, we talked about it on, on the Snickcast, but there are panels where there's nothing happening in the background, but like purposely so? Like well there's just a conversation between two people and you really just focused on them talking. And and I mean I, I just sped through the plot a little bit here, but every every panel is just exquisite. He's he's got you know, Reyes has that like Sinkevich ness going on to it, which is a nice tie into the old new mutants, but it's also uh, wholly his and everyone's expressive and you, you like feel the characters coming right off the page. I, yep. I, I just want to like flip through the book over and over and over again. Pretty much. It is pretty much awesome. Well, what do you want to rate this one? Uh, five out of five. Totally. Easy. This is an easy five, right? Yep. Didn't easy. even need to think about it. Nope. All right. Well, let's move on to our final uh, issue uh, of this episode, and that's New Mutants number two. <clears throat> Same creative team. Um, and on the cover, we have the mutants sort of being, uh, they're, they're sneaking around a spaceship, it looks like, and, and someone's walked in on them. And I love Wolfsbane is just hanging on a, a wire at the top, and Mondo's climbing through, and everyone's surprised. And right away, Doug just throws his hands up like I, like I give up. <laughs> <laughs> I do really love it. I, I generally love it. I love that um, Sunspot's like half powered as well. Yes. So. Yeah, it's delicious. So uh, we start off with a lot of words. It's kind of Claremontian level words, but they're like super funny. It's it's Hickman reading in in the voice of Sunspot about being rich and hiring space lawyers and how important things are and the hijinks they get up to in, in jail. And it and it's accompanied by you know it's just some fun, simple but effective, like character portraits as they're going through all of this. And I I love this like opening salvo here. Yeah, I like it that it's also coloured and drawn in like an old newspaper strip style. Mm-hmm. Um, it just adds to the sort of previously on New Mutants. Exactly. <laughs> um, it just really works, and I love that. Indiana's making everyone that that her prison bitch. Yes. Um, <laughs> you can just whip out the sword whenever she wants. So they go for, before trial, and uh, this chameleon is a terrible lawyer, and the judge is like, you know, uh, do we acknowledge the existence of any space that is not now or will not shortly be Shiar space? Uh, no judge. Uh, then what exactly is it you want to stress, counselor? Nothing, judge. Okay, guilty. Like, <laughs> I love the idea that Shiar is like, well, eventually everything will be our space. So no matter where things happen, we're going to go by Shiar law. And uh, <laughs> it's it's like, 
it's funny in a fascist way, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and at the end, he's like, yeah, you're a terrible lawyer. You're going to jail. And <laughs> it's really great. Uh, fortunately, they're saved by Sam. And uh, his – are they married? Yeah, they're married. Smasher and Sam are married. Right, Smasher. Yeah. And uh, Sam is, is drawn like the old school Sam. Uh, and I mentioned this with with uh, uh, with Jason, but you know sometimes I, I like with X Force or some X X Men books, Sam can be like short and stocky. Sometimes I, I found, but this is like the traditional like tall, kind of lengthy Sam with a not quite buzz cut, but grown out a little bit, and it feels like it feels very classic in a great way. And uh, I love the panel where all the other new mutants hug him, uh, but Mondo and. Uh, Jono are just like, whatevs. It's a great <laughs> juxtaposition because everyone else is smiling like an 80s like uh, coloring book, <laughs> except for Jono and Mondo who are off to the side. I love it. Um, so they're, they're all sort of catching up and um, there's a nice little banter going on until Sunspot starts speaking to Sam. And then he gets punched in the face <laughs> for being kind of a jerk. And I love how the color... Yeah, the color changes as the punch coming in. It's all like red. You show like the impact, and then directly like in proportion to that, the next panel is all white except for where the blood's coming out of his nose. Like it's pretty genius. I do. I I really enjoyed it. I like the fact that the blood sort of spats off the panel as well. Yeah. Whack. But I just yeah. Go ahead. I said I just love the fact that they brought they they didn't just bring Sam back. They brought like Hickman's creation back mm-hmm. smashes one of Hickman's Avengers, isn't it? Right. So that's well, great. And, and like Sam and Sunspot, they get over it and they're, they're friends and they're walking off. And like, even though they, they've been deemed guilty, it's the Shire have a, a, a mission for them. So they're going to go help, uh, help out Smasher. And we see that Smasher has gotten, um, some, uh, orders from, What's his name? Gladiator. This Gladiator. I almost said Galactus. From Gladiator. And I love the the panels here of him showing up in like a holograph and just uh, the color work is just beautiful. Mm. Like there's a constant green behind them from obviously the machinery. Yeah. And it follows through even with them even with them being highlighted by all the blue. Yes. And like even her goggles, which are pure red, can still be seen all the way through. It's like it's like good color. For the theory, um, <laughs> I don't know. It's, just, it's really. I feel bad saying that, but it's just like it feels like there's like different types of color. Like when we talked about in the last episode about Excalibur, where it was just throw some green here, throw some. Yeah. I'm done. It's like this feels less paint by numbers and actual painting. Yes, exactly. This uh, has been like you can feel the flow from green to blue here. Like it gradually goes from one to to the other, depending on where the lighting is. It's like someone who really knew what they were doing was coloring this, Dan. It's crazy. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> like a pro did this. <laughs> um, and then I love that we have just more fun of the New Mutants hanging out playing space poker. Uh, you know, Rain's having a little nap and Sam and Sunspot are just watching TV. And everyone's playing like fake poker and like trying to bluff each other. But no one knows the rules. And eventually someone's like, yeah, I have a winning hand. And Doug's like, actually, I know how to read these cards. You don't. And then Danny, like, <laughs> hits him in the oh, side. Buddy. It's so good. Um, 
And then eventually they're conscripted into like battle time uh, by Smasher. And uh, they're going to go do something. And we cut to uh, the Chandelar, which is the Shire Throne world. And who do we see, Dan? We see Zandra. Do you remember Zandra? From Rogue and Gambit. Yes. So she's making a return, which is lovely. And uh, Gladiator is like, I've ruled long enough. It's time for you to take the throne. I, I have things to do. It, it's kind of a nice moment here. And uh, I'm glad that Zandra's back. Um, and the mission that the new mutants are given is they need to bring someone to help Zandra lead. And we get, which it might be, you know, there's so many great panels in this in this, this book. But I might love the, the final page the best because we get to see Deathbird, like in all her, like... Uh, like erotic like violence in just like two poses like it really encapsulates who she is and she's like I'm back bitches and you feel it and Sunspot says I think I'm in love it's so good Sunspot's such a such a playboy bless his his soul it it. does look she looks phenomenal like she has such um, great like like dark grace is probably the best way to to, to describe that, and I do, I do love like the innocence of um, like the the young girl. Just literally forgot her name. Zandra, but yeah. I, f- I love the innocence that's been portrayed here, and the fact that she, you know, Gladiator is like, yeah, I'm kind of like I should be out there, you know, because I'm super powerful. Uh huh. I should be doing some stuff, and like just just having Sam and Bobby together, having a nice chat, and smashing me like, you two don't start. It's just like the, the the banter and the 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 character beats are just so wonderfully interwoven into a really simple story. And if Excalibur struggles to put across its story in a simpler way, Hickman kind of super exceeds in just being like, "There's lots of stuff happening, but like this is just all that's happening. We're going to find Sam. Now we're going to do a mission for the Shi'ar because we've got in trouble." Right. Like, it's just A to B to C. But because of all the character work that's in between it, it, it feels like there's more depth, there's more sort of substance to the book. And Reyes' art just blows everything out of the water. Just generally, just every panel is just a joy to see. Even if it's just a spaceship landing on a planet, like the planet has been coloured in such a way that it feels like it could be a, a real astral body, as opposed to other artists that have just coloured it one colour. Right. And been it. Like, there's such an attention to detail, which... I haven't read issue three. I know which has come out of, come out recently. Um, I'm just worried that once we move away from this, it won't be as good. Well, it's a different cast of characters, and it's a different artist, and it's a different writer. So yes, it's different, Dan. It's different. I was expecting to get like five issues of like a story of of, of our characters in space, but we're, we're cutting back to Earth next issue, and it's. It was like a surprise, a jarring surprise, and not one I was happy for. But let's not talk about that issue. Let's talk about this issue. Um, is there anything else you need to highlight? Uh, do you remember? Um, not... Go ahead. Go on. You first. Go for it. Remember when we had Rod Reyes do like the two-issue uh, filler for um, Exiles, uh, the newer Exiles, where they were like the cowboys, and we were like, oh, my goodness. Like we we, yeah. we we loved who was already like doing the book, but we were like, oh, Rod Reyes is doing this. Oh man, like we could have a full book of this and just be just as happy. I was I was so glad that he's on this book because like, Hickman's great, right? And if it was Hickman and like an average artist, I think it'd still be a good book. But we've got like top notch writing with 
exquisite artwork and it, it's all working together so well it's i feel kind of i've never been the biggest new mutants fan but this has been it's hard not to love this even if you're not a, a new mutants fan i agree i think um because it's not my massive it's not like new Mutants has never been my um um big sort of standard for the xbox like I've, we were generation x kids so exactly um they weren't there but this is instantly like these characters are lovable they have a fun mission everything's beautiful to look at what's more to love um right well i guess i mean i'm just going to rate this a five out of five and uh i think it's pretty obvious this is this is wow this is so good yeah i'd agree that it's a five out of five well, the Easily. only the only thing, uh, the only other other book that really rivals this in terms of Dawn of Dawn of X books, I think, is is Marauders. I mean, we, we're sort of moving away from our, our core thoughts here, but I thought I might talk about the Dawn of X books in general for a minute, if you don't mind. Yeah, no. Yeah, so for me, it's like it's either New Mutants or Marauders are just kind of neck and neck on on who is really taking this concept and running with it well. You know what I mean? Yeah, New Mutants is a joy to read. Um, and Marauders... Like, New Mutants is a really fun book. Mm-hmm. And it really, like, sort of plays with its cast and it's really playful. But I feel like Marauders is a really flirty book and flirts with the reader quite well with different concepts and ideas and it really fleshes out yeah. and society. Um... And they're the two like standouts, but really close behind is X Men itself. Sure. Um, Hickman's one and done stories, which clearly all connect to a certain degree. Um, like the the last one with the old the the old ladies fighting over the plants, and yes. the way they talked to Emma, and Emma's reaction was just astounding. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and it generally, um, just seeing Cyclops front and center and not being vilified for once and being like who he should be, which is a leader and kind of like having fun with it. Yeah. Like, cause it's, a, he's in a place of hope now. Like the dream has succeeded. Right. And if those three books sort of are, the, are the, like the highlights and then Excalibur, unfortunately sort of is a little bit more of a middle of the road. We flip right to the opposite end where X-Force wants to be that extra x-force is like if uh if if um a really stereotypical nerd picked up an electric guitar and pretended to be like in a really really edgy band um yes yeah. that's that's what that's what x-force basically is to me Wait, and dark for dark sake i'm a i'm a i'm a snyder fan bring the snyderverse back that's how it feels yeah Whereas I really, it, I, my mind boggles because Brian, Brian Hill, Fallen Angels, Brian Hill writes Fallen Angels, wrote um, Paramount and Iron which is possibly in my top 10 of the decade comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoy his work. And this is just, it feels like either it's been mandated to, to, to be the way it is, or he has prior engagements with other things. And he's just got the ball rolling for these characters. But it disregards so much of X-23's history, which is just bizarre yeah. to like reset. Um, even with the idea that if she died, she'd be reset, blah, blah, blah. 
Uh, Kid Capel is almost a non-entity, even though he's a part of the team. And Kawanan has a really interesting story to tell, but he's decided to just add more backstory to it. And then the art is... It almost fetishizes the girls. and Yeah. It does fetishize the girls. And they're interchangeable dolls in this sort of lineup of darkness. It's hard to tell who's who, right? Yeah, and, like, the color work is so dark and so... I get it. They're the two edgy books. I get it. Right. You know what I mean? But you can do everything that they're trying to do and be more interesting about it. That's why I think that yes. in the Jim Subs um, Hellions, is it? The new one? Uh-huh. You're right. But like, that might be more the the edgy book, but better. Sure. But, um, yeah, that's my rundown of... of of the dog. Both books, yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like Fallen Angels, you could have like people like those characters grasping where, where they fit in in this in this new setting and, and what they need to do. Like that's an interesting concept. Or the need to have like a dark ops team of, of X Men characters for X Force. Like, okay, yeah, we totally understand that that could be necessary. But at the end of the book being like, We need a force. We need an X Force. And the <laughs> Like the worst '80s, like I'm just gonna say the title in the movie because we need to say the title. Like the bad writing in that book, I I don't understand. Uh, every time we have to read it for for the snickcast, I want to just like destroy my phone. It does feel very much like um, Fallen Angels and X Force are kind of the ones that ju- that uh, um, the editor was allowed to think up of. It was like. <laughs> Hickman, Hickman was like, I just want four books because all of them, the four that are good, or the, the four that are better than those two, um, have a distinct reason to exist within Hickman's framework. Yeah. Um, and X Force does because it's the security idea, which should exist in a in a in a in a society. But it feels like those four were all have all been. And if you re- listen to the tweets from Teeny Howard and the others, they feel like they've been in communication with Hickman. Right. Whereas I feel like the other two books, not so much, and feels more like it's um, sort of white, sort of, I need this, especially especially Fallen Angels. feels like Sobolski's Sibol- wank fodder. It really um, does. It's just... Can we have like some hot women that are just hot to be hot and like being violent because hot, violent women is hot. I don't, yeah, it's not. It doesn't play. It doesn't play well with me. Can we make sure they don't have any personality and they can just be like disposable bodies that I can think about? Eesh. <laughs> Eesh. But yes. Yeah. But aside from that, um, the books we've read uh, are way better. Now, now thinking about it, Excalibur goes up a grade um, every time I think about those other books. To be fair. Right. I mean, by comparison, it's it's kind of it's it's pretty good. Um, but uh, yeah, I think we're we're on the same page here. We're we're enjoying those top four books uh, to basically the same degree, and uh, you know, even with Fallen Angels and X Force being whatever they are, I think we're still pretty happy with the new direction and the change in in creative uh, oversight here, right? Yeah, but, but yeah, have you have you read? What Rosenberg is doing now? Jesus Christ, that Annihilation Scourge is just terrible. Oh, is it? 
Yeah. I, 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 much I don't want to like hurt my soul having to read more of his books. I try, I tried it out and I was just like, hmm, this is tired and worn out ideas. <laughs> oh, so oh, yeah, dear. that's him. Sure. Has he has he hurt any people of of color or women yet? Or oh, exclusively. They're all, they're all aliens, aren't they? So you can just have a have a batch, um, killing everyone. Um, it's just it's just very much him. The writing is very much him, and very much trying to like sort of recapture. Uh, is it Dan Abnett and um, Andy Lanning who did uh-huh. uh, the Annihilation? Right. Very much trying to recapture the magic of of then, um, oh. but with a really bland alien tentacle zombie thing going on. Fun. Yes. Lots of fun. Great. Well, um, I'm either way. I'm 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 really happy with where New Mutants is and Excalibur. I think we I think we're we're getting we're moving towards something. And and uh, hopefully people enough people continue to buy the book so that this will this will keep going and, and get to where it needs to go. Exactly. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, that's our Christmas holiday special. Uh, appreciate everyone tuning in. Uh, you can find us where, Dan? Uh, you can find us on Podbean at Podbean forward slash uh, Podbean.com, sorry, forward slash Excalibur's. Or you can find us on Twitter at Excalibur's number one. Or you can go on Google or just press Excalibur's into Google and we'll pop up on like iTunes and Stitcher and all that jazz. It's pretty easy to find us. Totally easy. And uh, we're going to continue to cover these uh, these new hits as long as the... as, as well as the classics. And... Uh, yeah, we're looking forward to the, the new year. New year, more new books. The, that Hellions book looks like it's interesting. Not that we're going to cover it, but uh, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to more more stuff coming out in the X Universe, Dan. So am I. Even that Wolverine book. Um, maybe. Maybe. Say <laughs> maybe. All right. Well, uh, from all of us to all of you, uh, happy holidays and uh, thank you so much. Happy holidays. Bye bye.